Welcome to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum Podcast, where we speak to members and ask them to share some property industry insights and at the same time, get to know our industry colleagues a little better. My guest today is Jamison Rivera, Development Director at Fraser's Property. Jamison has been with Fraser's Property Australia for over eight years and is a Development Director tasked with the delivery of two very different residential projects, Brunswick & Co and Hamilton Reach. She has a background in property marketing with a strong focus on stakeholder management, destination activation programs and placemaking for major city shaping projects. Personally, Jamison has three daughters aged three, four and seven and has just commenced a major character renovation on a house in Camp Hill. Thank you for joining us on The Development Chum. Thank you. It doesn't sound like you have a hell of a lot of spare time, Jamison, <laughs> really with that. in spare time. It's, um, <laughs> it's a curse, but yeah, very busy, but all good projects. Oh, fantastic. And I, I will come back to it, but juggling three children, a fairly significant job, and also adding on a character renovation. Yes. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it wasn't the vision. We were definitely decided to sell our last house because we're like, let's not do any more renovations. And then we've definitely bought the biggest renovation we could find. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. It's often planning. We often talk ourselves into these things (laughs) accidentally, don't we? Two property people in a relationship, it's bound to happen. It's never a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you have a background in marketing and you've worked for several organizations in a marketing role. What enticed you to transition to a development role? Look, it was honestly never particularly on my radar. I just think it felt like too big of a jump. Technically, I felt like the gap between marketing and development would require years of, you know, going back to university Mm. and then very much starting at the bottom. And I think for me, I have never been very strategic around my career. I just think about what's immediately in front of me. I always put my projects and my team first. And so I didn't really have a mind for it, but I was getting to a point, I think, where I needed my next challenge. So I just had baby number one and my general manager of Queensland at the time, Cameron Leggett, sat me down and he was like, what's next? I was like, oh God, I'm just trying to figure this all out, to be (laughs) honest, being a working parent. But I guess Cam and I had worked together for a long time and he knew that I would get to a point where I would need a new challenge or I would need to leave. And he was very much the person, I guess, that mapped out what that transitional period could look like. Yes, right. And had that belief in me, I guess, that good property fundamentals is what makes a great developer director. And I think if you want to be successful in this field, what you actually need to be is very good at managing people. Mm. And I think for me, that's definitely my strength. I have a fantastic team. I invest a lot of time in them. And those skills are very transferable, I think, regardless of what division you come from. We're really looking at ways that we can find pathways to have more females in senior positions Mm. within the organisation. And perhaps we do need to think outside the square and look for some more sideways shifts for people to get those great career paths in place. How are you going with that transition now? I mean, it always feels like it's a constant evolution, doesn't it? Were there particular things that you thought that you would really need to skill up on before you made that move? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was expecting the hardest part about this transition to be very much technical Mm. um, and it absolutely wasn't in the end, um, which is really, really interesting. It was more about my own confidence and that feeling of maybe not being the smartest person in the room anymore and maybe not having all those answers at hand and having to very much swallow my ego and go, God, I've left my comfort zone here. But I left my comfort zone for a reason and so I very much lent into this opportunity. I had a fantastic team of people around me. My development manager, Michael Mazza, was wonderful, great construction team and 
I think as well, sometimes development people think they need to be experts at everything. And that can be quite dangerous because we work with some brilliant consultants from all Mm. fields. And the worst thing you can do is actually get in their way. So you need to have a good understanding and ability, I guess, to problem solve, but you don't necessarily need to know everything about engineering or planning. It's more about, I guess, getting the right people on the team and then understanding your project vision and delivering upon that. And I imagine too, in your time in a marketing role or in several Mm. marketing roles, your key focus would have been on the end user, on the end buyer, on the vision for the project. So I imagine that that's given you some incredible scope moving into the development director role in terms of focusing on on the end user. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting too, because my one of my senior development managers, he's actually come from the sales floor. And similarly, we yeah. both had this different perspective, I guess, of what that customer experience should look like and what those customers are very much chasing. And yes. it's more that emotional side of development. And generally, that's where people are making their purchasing yep. decisions Absolutely. from anyway. Yep. So they don't care what type of steel we use. They don't care what type of batter we have. They just want to feel something when they're making this right decision. So I think we've got this ability to tap into that. And it's interesting as well at Fraser's Property where a lot of the development people in senior roles have a very different background. So Mm. we've got people who were engineers, were valuers, were salespeople, myself in marketing. And I think what's that created is this opportunity to problem solve in a very unique way. We're not sitting in a boardroom with a bunch of like-minded, like people and creating this echo chamber of ways of solving these issues. So I think it's absolutely a benefit just to get that diversity of thinking in the room. Absolutely. How do Fraser's property support your transition from marketing into that current role? You mentioned Cam was a a shining light (laughs) in actually prompting you to consider switching across. Yep. So I'd had baby number two and um, one of the development directors had resigned. So they actually kept the role vacant for me for about three or four months, which was really phenomenal. And I think coming into that project, so it's Hamilton Reach, it's part of the North Shore Hamilton Precinct, part of Economic Development Queensland's vision out there. And that role was very much around stakeholder management with EDQ and our challenges at that particular time were very much around sales and marketing. Mm. So it was a lovely way to transition into that. Um, And then otherwise, it was just myself, I guess, just recognising that what got me to that position was very much what earned me the right to be there. And then just getting that work ethic in, head down, bum up and focusing on what was best for the project. And then from there, after I had baby number three... Um, came back, I think it was about home back in the office for about a month. And then they asked me if I'd take on our build to rent project as yes, well. Which, which is been... incre- an incredibly exciting project. So talk us through that project and what it means both for Fraser's. In my mind, it's going to make a huge contribution to Brisbane's property market. Absolutely. This is our first build to rent project anywhere in the world. So we are very much on this journey together. We're mm. really trying to unpack exactly what build to rent means in an Australian context, yes. in a Queensland context. But then for us in Brisbane, it's very much what does this project mean from a Brisbane context? Mm. And we're in a position in Brisbane where we've got some fantastic build to sell yes. properties that are delivering a comparable build to rent experience. So the quality of the amenity delivered in Brisbane is exceptional. A lot of people tend to hold on to their management rights. So, you know, you can really control that customer experience. Mm. And so for us, I think the first challenge, we came onto this project and there was an existing residential DA in place and we had to very quickly get a minor change in that reflected turning that into a best practice build to rent asset. So a lot of quick work. Um, (laughs) And the team had been on a global study tour a few years prior. So there was certainly some learnings within that that we wanted to embed into the project's DNA. 
But also, too, Brisbane's got a very unique identity Mm. and we wanted to make sure that the project was king. And so for us, rather than having this build-to-rent master brand across this asset and any other ones to come across the country, the project is the king. So it's branded Brunswick & Co, reflective of the project's location. And it's all about having that identity because great build-to-rent assets is more about that customer experience, that sense of community. And if you nail those two things, everything else really just falls into place. Yeah, incredible. And I think we're all watching it with interest. (laughs) Yeah. Jamison, there's certainly a lot of misconceptions around what build-to-rent is. What do you see as being the main benefit of build-to-rent, being to both a development company but also the community? Look, I think as an industry, we very much need to find pathways to bring additional supply to market. And, you know, that's a challenge that I think we're all responsible for at this moment in time. And build to rent is a lever that we can collectively pull to bring supply quickly to the projects and to the community. And I think for us, the challenge that we have in Australia is that renting isn't particularly aspirational. It's um, something that people aren't proud of. Mm. And I myself, I'm renting while we renovate and it feels really unstable. Mm. You know, you're like, gosh, when does this lease expire? And are they going to put my rent up? And the property managers don't necessarily treat you very well. And at the start of this journey, my team and I ran around and spoke to a lot of building managers across Brisbane. And the way that they speak about tenants is really quite poor. Absolutely. So there is a lot of low hanging fruit here. And so I think what we very much want to do is flip that entire experience on its head. We want tenants to feel like VIP guests. We want them to get a customer experience like what you would get in a VIP, like in a luxury hotel. Yes. And I think it's one of those things that if you give respect, you're going to get respect. Tenants, if they feel like they can put down roots and no longer be this transient person that has to move out in six months, they're going to take better care of the property because it's their home. Mm. And we've seen that overseas as well. And, you know, people are staying there for 10, 15 Mm. years because they don't feel this pressure to move and they're so happy where they are. And so I think for us, what Build to Rent does as well is it, it very much gives people choice. You know, at the moment, housing affordability is so challenging for people and you can't necessarily afford to buy where you want to. You're always making this compromise almost when you buy a property and that's not great. You know, you're making this biggest yeah. financial and lifestyle decision of your life and you feel like you're giving up on something. Yes. But I think if collectively, if we can nail this Build to Rent experience, people will say, well, I could rent, but that's awful. I could buy, but I can't afford to do it where I want. I won't be able to commute where I need to go. Like it's always a sacrifice, but we need to create this thing where build to rent is very aspirational. I can choose to live in a build to rent building because it suits my lifestyle. I'm happy to pay a premium for it because I don't want to compromise on this. And maybe I rent best. Maybe I buy where makes most sense for me financially and I choose to live here. Yes. And so for a development company, I think like Fraser's Property, like we're all about creating connections for people, bringing Mm. people together, creating community, creating customer experience. And those are the things really that is the point of difference for build to rent. So there's a lot of, I guess, aspirations for us, but it makes a lot of sense too. Who's doing it really well internationally? I mean, I hear, oh. yeah, there's obviously Star, and, yeah. and we've, we've spent some time speaking to Star. Mm. Who's doing it really well? I don't think any of it really translates here, to be honest, because it's very, very different. You know, we've seen Build to Rent overseas, which is more about shared amenities, so to the point of laundromats and kitchens and things like that. So I think it's done well in pockets. I think here in Brisbane, I mean, ArcLife is fantastic, and I think the strategy they've taken around creating a culture of respect within that building is fantastic, and you only have to walk through that project Mm. and you can just feel that vibe of that community. The residents are so happy to live there. They're achieving a premium to live there. I think we should be really proud, I guess, of the work we're already doing here in this manner. Yeah. So you almost have a blank canvas, don't you, at the moment to really sort of stamp 
yes. Fraser's mark on, yes. on the build to rent model. No pressure at no all. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you talked before about the difference and some of the changes that you had to make from a planning sense in terms of taking a proposal to a build to rent proposal. What did that look like? Was that predominantly focused on getting more amenity into the building? Yeah, look, the existing DA had quite a bit of amenity in terms of square meterage, but it probably wasn't situated in a way that would be of a benefit to a tenant leasing track. And I think the thing with build to rent is you've got to think it's a little bit different. So if I was to do a build to sell building at Hamilton Reach, I would have my sales office and then later I would have my building. But within build to rent, you have one thing. So Mm. your building has to have a consideration for what that tenant experience is when they come to do a sales tour. So where will they park, number one? You can't have them parking in the dirty basement and then coming up in the lift. Like it needs to have that wow moment. Mm. So for us, it was where can someone park that we can guarantee they're going to get a car park? Because it's just about taking out those pet peeves in that leasing tour experience. How frustrating would it be to be going to look at this building and you can't get can't a, park? Find a park? You'd leave. Yes. You would absolutely yeah. leave. So VIP car park and then forcing them to come around and into the front of the lobby. So we had an opportunity to have a back door. Yes. We deleted it because we want them to have that wow moment that when you walk in, you are eyeballing our concierge team. It's a really vibrant space. We've got a cafe that's also a bar at nighttime. So it feels like there's a lot of activity. And then the lobby itself feels more like a hotel-like lobby Amazing. experience. Yeah. So build to sell. I would keep that lobby really, really small, try to squeeze in as much product as possible. But for build to rent, it's just a very different experience. And then for us, we're taking them immediately from that level straight up to the rooftop deck. So it's all about the amenity first and then the apartment second, I guess. We want to ensure that they have as many wow moments during that experience as possible. And pets, talk to me about Absolutely. what role pets play. Bring them in. Um, <laughs> this is a very self-invested question. <laughs> no, I feel that. And again, like myself, looking for a tenancy for my three kids, two dogs, cat, like it was terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're a big part of our lives. Absolutely. And I think as well that's the thing that people feel like they have to compromise when they decide to rent. They go, oh, I can't have a dog, you know, because I'm a renter. Yes. And that's terrible, particularly when that's the only option some people have is they need to rent. So, yes, pets, absolutely welcome. So we've got a dog wash and we've also got a dog park up on the roof as Amazing. well. So we really want Incredible. to facilitate this environment where they're not just allowed. It's like they're very, very welcome and we understand how important this is. And we want to create some community activations around it as well, you know, dog walking and bringing in trainers and yeah. all those sorts of things. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, bring, fantastic. bring them in. Now, importantly, what type of dogs do you have? Me? Yes. <laughs> I have Boxer and a Cavoodle. Oh, how gorgeous. <laughs> as as the owner of two Groodles oh. uh, and having had washed them on the weekend, I can see <laughs> the benefits of having a dedicated dog wash. So I might be uh, I might be moving in, Jamison. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's interesting because as we've talked about, Build to Rent is very much an emerging asset class mm-hmm. in, I would say, Australia, but particularly Queensland. Fraser's was one of the first pilot BTR projects under the Queensland Government's pilot scheme. Can you talk us through some challenges that that might bring with it in terms of being an early adopter, both in terms of the pilot scheme, but also, I imagine, relevant authorities? Yeah, no, you've nailed it. Definitely the relevant authorities piece was the hardest. I think there's a lot of challenges being a first mover in any asset class. And to everyone's credit, though, and perhaps it was because we had the relationship with the state government as well there, is that bodies such as Brisbane City Council, Queensland Urban Utilities, I guess they came to us and they said, we don't understand it yet. 
but let's go on this journey together. It's fantastic. Which was fantastic. Yep. And so, for instance, as part of our pre-lodgement meetings with Brisbane City Council, it was very much that. They said, talk to us about build to rent. Talk to us about why is it important for the city. And I think for us, being part of the Queensland Government's BTR pilot project, it added that element of this is a priority for the state. And so I think people were absolutely more willing to listen to us because yes. they recognise that. Yes. So I think from that perspective, it's been fantastic to be involved in. The challenge we had was around educating people that build to rent is a premium offering because mm. part of our delivery will be offering 144 of our apartments as affordable housing yes. to key workers, which is fantastic. But I guess we also then needed to educate people to say this isn't social housing. Yes. It's a very premium experience and we're trying to really solve a lot of problems here. But we got there in the end, which is great. How's that integration work. It's interesting because we're involved in many discussions at the moment around affordable Mm. housing, housing affordability and social housing, which are three almost very separate things. There's a lot of community misunderstanding, which is, you know, sometimes um, prevalent amongst government employees Mm -hmm. as well. How are you approaching uh, the community side of the project? Yeah, I think from our perspective, in this location, it's interesting. We don't have a lot of residential surrounding us. So if I was trying to do the same thing at Hamilton, it would be a very different Mm, conversation. conversation. Um, So we haven't had to do as much of an education piece within the community, but certainly every touch point we've had to explain. It's key workers, for instance, you know, childcare workers, people who don't make this amount of money and, you know, ensuring that the city is supporting them to live in the locations where we need them to work. And I think once you have that opportunity to have that conversation, people very much understand it. Mm. But I think in our Fortitude Valley location, it's definitely not been as big of an issue as if we're trying to deliver this same project in a much higher residential zone. And you would hope that that almost gives you the opportunity to get the product, deliver it to market, and then have a living example of what the product is and what amenity it can bring, not only to the residents of that building, but to more broadly the surrounding area. And the affordable apartments, they're going to be scattered throughout. So it's going to be a very seamless experience. Somebody living there would not know who's affordable, who's not affordable, who's a key worker, who's not a key worker. So I think, yeah, I'm sure that in years to come, we can turn back and say, this is how it can be done and done really, really well. It seems to me, you know, the discussions we're having at the moment around housing affordability and and rental crisis, that BTR really has a a massive role to play Mm. in terms of an asset class that can deliver housing in a fairly short time frame for a multitude of people and uh, and different price points. Is that part of the strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I think from a Fraser's perspective, like we aren't saying we're going to have 5,000 apartments in three years or we don't have these big targets. We're very much looking at it at an opportunistic level across the country. But it is absolutely an opportunity, I think, for the industry to bring more supply Mm. to market a lot faster. And particularly, act as a a counter-cyclical measure in terms of housing supply. What's the most exciting bit of your day? Two very different projects. Um, it is that. It is. There is so much diversity in my day. I've had a PCG this morning. After this, I'm going to go look at a blockwork wall. Um, <laughs> I've got some community members to talk to this afternoon. So Excellent. It's, it's a very different role. If you don't love a lot of change, yes. development director is not for you. Yep, but yep, yep. Um, I really thrive, I think, on that environment. The best part of my role is very much my team, though. I've got just the best development team in the industry. They mm-hmm. keep me on my toes. They are great, great people. And I just can't wait to see what they're all going to achieve in the next three to five years to come. And what's the biggest challenge? Balancing all that? Balancing all that, I think. And that's probably the thing I think as I transition across to two projects, that was hard for me because when I just had Hamilton Reach to worry about, I went to every meeting, I was across every detail and transitioning to having the two, it's like, 
there's always going to be clashes. You always need to figure out, it's like an emergency room, which one's bleeding the most? Where do I need to be the most? But as a result, I think it's created a great opportunity for people in my team to step up Mm. and fly solo and I guess demonstrate leadership themselves. And we are quite close as a cohort. And so it does somehow all work. It's interesting too, because you almost think if I drop a plate, Mm. the plate will be gone forever, but it's not. not. As you say, it gives some opportunity to those that are part of your team and and it also reminds you that the world will keep spinning. Exactly. It's that perspective. Absolutely. absolutely. Now, thinking back to your 20-year-old self, which wasn't that long ago, Jamison, (laughs) at all, (laughs) what piece of professional advice would you give yourself? I think at 20, you're very focused on title and company Mm. and project and it was very much a race for those things. But I think in hindsight, the biggest times of growth within my career have been when I've had great leaders. And I've actually followed great leaders throughout my career. If somebody leaves, I just pack up and go with them. I And I think that's the best thing anybody can do because I think you, I've always been challenged the most. I've always grown the most, but I also feel the most aligned within my project, within the company and within that vision for that person as well. So chase great leadership. Chase great leadership. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of that very busy schedule to chat with us on Development Drum today, Jamison. It's been an absolute delight chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thank you for listening to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Remember to rate and review this show on your favourite podcast app. While you're there, please make sure you click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Mm -hmm.